G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Hey there, it's Timmy Manor and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Joining me tonight, like he does every week, it's Benjamin Little. Thank you so much for having me, Timothy. <laughs> Great to have you here, mate. Yeah. And this is the Spirit of Sport. We, uh, we, we get some special guests on this every week from the sporting world. They tell us their story. You know, we, um, we had some really cool guests, and today's a really cool one and a special one. He's worked extensively as a chaplain over the past 15 years. In 2021, he became one of the youngest chaplains for the Army Reserve in southeast Queensland before being named as a chaplain for the Australian Defence Force. Nowadays, he's stationed with the New Zealand Warriors as their chaplain as he looks to guide them to a successful 2022 season as they face being away from home once more in 22. Tonight, our guest on the Spirit of Sport is sports chaplain Raymond Moga. Raymond, welcome to the Spirit of Sport, mate. Welcome. Hey, thank you, boys. Appreciate the time. Now, yeah. first, first, just correct me if I'm wrong, but how do you say your last name? I want to make sure we've got this right. Yeah, no, that's so good. It's Moanga. Moanga. Good to know. Raymond yeah. Moanga. Thanks for joining us, mate. There we go. Mate, t- talk to us. You're new to this role, but uh, the Warriors now have got you on board as a chaplain. How, how did that come about? Yeah, about, um, I think around about the back end of last year, 2021, um, I, I, I received a phone call from uh, the wellbeing officer at the Warriors, who, who, who's based here with the team in Redcliffe in Brisbane. And um, basically saying, hey, I've, your name has come across my table. Um, we have a mutual friend. You don't know me. I don't know you, but um, been checking you out um, and have been doing a bit of research in terms of socials and whatnot and really love what you're about. But he says that, um, yeah, you're, you're sort of keen to get into this sort of aerial work. And I guess for me, I was just, yeah, I was a bit startled, surprised that I even had my number. Um, but yeah conversation got going I basically shared with him what I had been doing the last few years um, and also stuff that I've been doing in the community as well and by the end of the conversation I was just I was just blown away because he said to me hey look I want to shortlist you I want to interview you myself with Ben Henry who's based in New Zealand over there and he they basically said look we want to interview you if you're keen for the uh, to be the sports chaplain of the club and obviously I, I I said yes um, hung up the phone and I actually couldn't believe it because I was I was as I, I received the phone call as I was driving but I was driving to uh, Toowoomba out west here in Brisbane to complete my level two in sports chaplaincy so it, it was a it, it, I, I believe it wasn't a coincidence I feel like it's one of those things that was meant to be um, so I completed the course did the interview the next week interview went well I was pretty nervous just because I wasn't expecting all of this to happen as fast as it did. Yeah, wow. um, and then after the interview, I got a call a few days later and they basically said, congratulations, you've, you've got the role. So it was a bit of a shock and it's, it's a bit of a whirlwind to be honest uh, to me, but um, it's something that I had actually had planned um, to be in elite sports chaplaincy. Like I gave myself a two year plan, um, but for it to happen in the space of just, few weeks to be honest there has wow. been a shock in itself but it's been an incredible incredible ride which I'm, I'm so excited to continue for this season with the Warriors well congrats mate it sounds like the timing was was just perfect there <laughs> maybe unexpected yes. but perfect um, I just want to throw yes. it out there I was actually born in Toowoomba 
So were uh, you? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, there the, you go. The Toowoomba Kaisers. Yeah. Right, yeah. It says a lot about me. Uh, Toowoomba <laughs> yeah. Mountaineers is the basketball. Okay. Oh, the basketball yeah, yeah. team. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more of a baller guy. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that's awesome. But you yeah. look like a Clydesdale. You got a yeah. bit of Clydesdale about you. <laughs> yeah, I got big teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't pick it up on the body, but it's uh, it's, it's big teeth. Now, mate, um, new into the role. What are you finding um, straight off the bat? Is some of the things, uh, some of your go-tos as a chaplain for these guys and this staff? Yeah, I think straight into the role. I mean, my 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 well-being um, officer at the team, the, the guy who who's my line manager, um, Jason Fittis, He's 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 just the best. Yeah. He, he's basically just said, "Hey, um, we want you here. That's why you got the job." And yeah. the, the first thing you need to know that the team is awesome. They they're so welcoming. So as I arrived to the club. It was it was straight off the bat. They were super super welcoming, and that's that's the entire staff from the trainers to the marketing team to coach even Brownie's been just been super supportive. Had a really great chat with him, and I think probably the one thing that's really stuck with me um, that Jason said he said, "Look, this is probably your first time in elite sports," and he said, "There's there's three things you should know," and and they all sort of rhyme. He says, "Number one, go slow." Yeah. Um, take your time, get to know the players, get to know the staff. Don't be so much in a rush. You're here. You're, you're, you've actually crossed that line. You've, you've made it. You, you, in terms of, you're in a you're in a very sacred space for players and staff to have that trust. So go slow. Don't don't try and rush ahead. Yeah. Um, number two, he said, stay low. So go slow, stay low, and stay low meaning just 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 hang around. Don't try and you know raise your voice or trying to be involved in everything and trying to get in everyone's faces. Yeah. People know that you're here, but your presence is more than enough because you're still getting to know the players. And last but not least was get to know. So go, um, yeah, go slow, stay low and get to know. Just get to know the players and the staff. And he basically said to me, look, Ray, at the end of the day, because he's also done sports chaplaincy as well, he said, you'll realize that you're, you're more here for the staff than the players themselves. Yeah, right. Um, and, and because you'll spend most of the time with the staff, the players, you'll get them in between lunchtime breaks or you know, every, every few minutes here and there. Um, except, you know, if there's a life crisis, then obviously you're the first or second point of uh, contact, but more or less for the staff. So those three things that I've just stuck to, and it's, and it's worked out well because, um, yeah, I, I, I love the team. Um, the team appreciate me. Uh, so they're not sick of me yet, so, which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like that's a, a common, um, you know, approach to working with athletes is just, just yeah. be laid back, you know, come in, come in slow, like you said, um, you know, don't, don't do anything flashy or in your face or anything like that. Why do you why do you think that's so important with coming into a team working with athletes? Well, I think with but I think with particularly athletes, like you know, if you're if you're uh, someone from the public, you see them on TV, right? You're a fan, yeah. right? You're actually a fan of, of of the game and of the players themselves. You're either watching highlights or whatever be the case. And so I think with that approach. It actually goes to show to the player that yeah, you're a fan, but you're more of a they. They want to build that trust with you. Yeah. Uh, you want to be able to build that rapport with them because at the end of the day, like I'm not going into Warriors um, HQ and chucking my phone up and going, hey boys, I'm on Insta Story, you yeah. know, check me out, look at me, I'm here. And obviously, the boys get that enough. Like yeah. there's there, there's enough public scrutiny on social media, even just something small, just anything could be taken out of context. So they want to know um, is that. Is is Ray a person who that who who we can trust? Who can we build rapport with? Yeah. Is he is he actually for us or is he actually for himself? So I think that approach 
yeah. um, is, is a great approach, and it's and it's it's, it's a humble approach too. Yeah, you, as an athlete, it seems like they're constantly managing that fame and different people. And is this person in it for me, or is this person in it for themselves? Which you know, like you said, that daily scrutiny—it just can't be easy. So it's so good you take that approach. Yeah. Yeah, Ray Ray. Um, tell us a bit about how you got involved in chaplaincy to start with. Like you, we know you were involved with the Army Reserves in terms of chaplaincy, and then the Australian Defence Force. We're going to talk a bit later about the correlation between, you know, the military and athletes, but um, how, did, how did that come about to start with your, your involvement with chaplaincy? Yeah, I guess for my, my, my actual background or my study background, so I'm a church minister, so that's my first and foremost, that's the area of study that I, I was, um, I've been lucky enough to get educated in. And so that allows me to, to work in, you know, uh, community groups and faith groups. Um, but then also I have, a, I, have, I have a background in high school teaching. Um, so again, that, that again allows me to be in a space amongst students, amongst young people, um, and just uh, be a, a presence with, with students, but also make a positive impact. So for me, along the way, it's been a church minister and a high school teacher, not at the same time, but in, in different pe- patches of my life, I realized that there was a great niche there to be able to be a person of support and I guess be more impactful if I could say, yeah. um, in that space of going, oh, I can connect with staff, with adults, because I do that in my church work anyway, but I can also connect with kids. And so I just think the role of chaplaincy itself, you're almost like the middleman between like an authoritarian figure, like a teacher or a boss, and then also the students. And yeah. so you can sort of go in there and bat for the, for the teachers, but also at the same time go in there and bat for the students and going, Hey, here's, here's, here's a middle ground thing. So for me to answer your question, Timmy, yeah. um, chaplaincy is something I've always um, enjoyed uh, just because of the opportunity to, to speak positivity in life and all the great stuff into people's lives. But I think it's more so of the investment. Like chaplaincy is, is an investment job in terms of people. Um, the more that you can invest in people, and I think the more you can influence the world by making positive choices for to, to, to help them make positive choices. And so... I think for me, sport chaplaincy was something I sort of had, a, had an idea I wanted to do because I've done all sorts of chaplaincy in terms of um, working in school. I was chaplain at a university, um, but sports chaplaincy was, is something sort of fairly new. Um, I've always been involved in sport. I played, I played um, um, uh, volleyball. That's my main sport, um, but never yes. thought to fuse the two, the two together. And so, yeah, it, it's something, it's definitely a career I, I see myself in the long run doing. And I know it's something that you're probably hearing and seeing more and more sports chaplains and teams. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I really have a passion to be able to be that, that middle ground, uh, but also a person that just invests my time with, uh, with others. Yeah. You're spot on there too, in terms of the role of a chaplain, like being that middle man, because from my experience, every chaplain I've been involved with, and um, yeah, we've had some really good ones, especially George Danzi at Parramatta. But yeah. Yeah. they they act yeah. they're that safe place, they're that place where you know you, there's things that you that players didn't want to go to coaches with, um, whether it was yeah. for example, if you're going through something at home, the last thing you want is your coach to think that you're not up to the task. So yeah, you know, the coach gets in the back of their mind, this guy's struggling with something at home, maybe he can't perform. And then all of a sudden, players get their walls up and they would just protect themselves. So they separate what they're going through outside of football because they don't want anyone to get a whiff of what they're going through. And then they yeah. they got a guy like a chaplain who is their mate. And they know they can trust that guy that 
it might yeah. it might be something that the, the the coach doesn't need to know. The coach doesn't need to know if I'm having some certain drama, but it's important that someone at the club does know, and that's where that chapter can step in and be that support the club Correct. can offer, but not have the player feel like they're risking their position in the team or their ability to perform if they you know to provide for their own family as well. So it is such yeah. a you're right, you're, you're spot on. It is that middle man. Um, but you talked about you know your, your study being in uh, being as a minister. Can you just remind us a bit about your own story and how you came into a relationship with God and and how that you know came to be? Yeah, so I, I mean, I was I was born into a Christian home, and um, so I've always had a great upbringing in terms of um, being being exposed to my faith community at an earlier age, and that and that really helped. That's really helped shape me. Um, a lot in terms of why I'm, I, I reckon I'm in the sort of professions that I have taken up. But in terms of, to your question, it's very poignant. Like, it's one thing to, to grow up in a faith community or a, um, or a church, um, but then it's actually another thing to actually own the faith that you do have. Because often if you're brought up, great experience, you don't really have to question anything. Yeah, um, yeah. So it wasn't until in my, my late teens where I just began to just to ask a few questions um, of my parents, of our faith, of our religion, or, or, the, or the faith community I belong to. And mum and dad, in their absolute best, would, would try and answer those questions. But for me, I just had to say, I, I need to know more, rather than just going, oh, I just accept the faith of my parents, and that's it. So I began to ask a few questions, did my own exploring. I sort of, in that journey, to be honest with me, I sort of stepped away from like what I always knew and believed, like sort of believed in. Um, began exploring, um, went down the road of, of actually like separating myself internally, like my head thoughts and my heart going, I actually really want to explore what else is there. Um, not so much an agnostic sort of a, a approach, but more so, hey, I, I really want to know if what I have believed or thought to believe is actually really for me. Does it, does it actually um, ground me in times of crisis? Does it actually make sense? When, when, you know, when there's death in the world, like how, how do these questions make sense? But um, long story short, to be honest, like it wasn't until my, I think roundabout, I was about 20. Um, that's when I just hit a crossroad. I was involved in a car accident, actually a few car accidents. And it's probably like my third one where I realized, okay, I need to stop messing around with this because for me, I could, my life could have ended prematurely a long time ago, but mm. At the time, I was going through a whole world of emotions. I was experiencing um, just disconnection with friendships. And, and um, yeah, I just found myself in a really bad place. And this is at the age of 20, where you're supposed to be living your best life. But I was just having this crisis going, okay, I don't know if where I'm about to go, if the next car crash, then I'm actually going to be alive. Mm. And so I began to turn my life in terms of heading back towards God and my relationship with God and Again, just timely thing uh, for me, and, and and I always say to the, um, I said to the warrior players, I'm, I'm a man of faith, like unashamed about it. And I just remember a turning point where, I, it 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 just this, it's a weird, it's a feeling of peace, overwhelming peace that just flooded over me, and just knowing that I, it was okay to have questions and that I was still loved because of it, and I didn't have to live the life that I was living. And so, yeah, with 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 that, that was yeah, twenty. Um, and then I just started my journey of coming of the basically more or less quote unquote coming back and going, okay, I need to be more involved in my faith community, be, be more involved with, um, my friends that I had in church, but I sort of disconnected myself and yeah. And, and from then on, it's been, it's been absolutely amazing. 
have you with working with the guys in the defense force um is there like a a key kind of message that you try to bring to them or a key truth about your faith that you've found um you know you you're sharing quite often yeah great question and and because i'm still building rapport with the guys i think the thing is that i try to do in defense force is around the, the sort of statement of like your theology, like the way you live your beliefs shouldn't be like um, just words. Yeah. You actually have to live it. Like your actions really do speak louder than words. Right. Like there's a, there, there's a really well-known quote, and there's a reason why it's a really well-known quote by Francis Assisi. He says, um, you know, more, like more or less, like don't, don't, don't preach you know, the sermon or don't press, preach the message, whatever that be. Yeah. You have to live it. Yeah. Um, and so for me, the more I live a life or, or, or yeah, the more I live my life in, in sort of a positive light, knowing that I'm for the soldiers, they will begin to ask questions like, why does Ray, how come he's not um, shaken up when there's a crisis? Mm. Why is it that he, there's a sense of peace? He's not like happy, clappy all the time, but he, there's a sense of peace and a bit of calmness and stillness about them when, when things are going through. And so I guess to answer your question as well, is that I always say to myself, you, God may not be for you, but he's for you, if you know what I mean. Right. Like he may not go ahead, this God thing may not be the thing you think is for you, but the God that I love and know is actually for you. And how do I make it known that my God or my relation with him is for you? And that's actually being in alignment with um, or coming in alignment with these guys and girls and going, I'm, I'm here. I care about you. There's kindness, there's love, there's, there's genuine interest um, and wanting to see you succeed. Yeah. With getting involved in the, in the church game and, you know, being on staff as a, as a pastor and minister, um, what, what did you find as the most, were the most fulfilling parts of, of that role? Yeah, as, as, as the church minister and pastor, it's, it's so funny. Like, there's so many things. But I think the thing that I really enjoyed the most, and this is a, a bit odd, um, but I, like, when it comes <laughs> all to a bit funeral odd. services, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, like funeral services, mate. Like, oh, yep. people that don't often think about that and go, oh, it's such a, a downtime. It is. It's sad because we mourn the loss of someone that we love. Yeah. But for me, I find it as a great opportunity to instill hope. Yeah, like in a tragic, crazy time of their lives, even though they may not be someone of faith, but I know in the message that I construct or the talk or whatever it is, I'm still able to reach out and touch a broken heart and go, hey, there is hope, whether or not you believe it or not, but here are some things to think and ponder mm -hmm. and know that life is, is great and life can go on. Um, and so instilling hope is probably one of the best things that I love to do. It may not be in a funeral, but in any situation. But I always go back to funeral services yeah. just because it's it's where people are, are the most vulnerable. And so I'm very aware of that. It's not a time where I like begin to brainwash people with my thoughts and my beliefs, but it's more so the genuine um, uh, dealing of hope, as a mentor once said to me. Yeah, it's so interesting that. And you talk about you know, the subject of death. Um, I actually had a really good conversation with a friend of mine who – He's now heading up the uh, the Royal Commission into the the investigation into military suicides, and yep. 
we just got chatting about, you know, I thought there's a real correlation between obviously the military is a much more intense level and, and you know, the post-traumatic stress that's involved with that. But the correlation between athletes and military men, I feel like there's such a big correlation in terms of, for example, when you when you retire, right? And we had a few past players yeah. get on the show before, but you go from being told exactly what to do for your whole life. For 15 years of your exactly. life, you're told what time to start, where to be, what to wear, what to eat, how yeah. much you can weigh. Um, yeah. Every part of your 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 diary is literally controlled by an organization and you just get, yeah. you find a bit of a comfort in that. So when you retire, that routine yeah. isn't there anymore. So you wake up and instead of, okay, I've got to be here at 5.45, it's like, well, I don't know what I've got to do this morning. So they have that sense of feeling a bit of their, losing a bit of their identity. Um, and, yeah. you know, talking to um, people that have been in the military, a lot of them have that same struggle when they finish because they've always been told and listened to instructions and had superiors um, how have you found, obviously being a chaplain for both, how have you found the correlation? Is there similarities between, you know, men in the military and athletes playing rugby league? Oh, absolutely. Like 100%. You've, you've, you've ticked off every box there, really. Like, especially when it comes to expectations, like you in, in, in rugby and in army, there's an expectation that once you receive your training, you should know what to do. You know what I mean? You should know how to look after yourself. So if there's ever an incident, and, and something happens where, where you're stuck in a, maybe in a, in a mental ill health block, um, there's always a fear of, okay, this is embarrassing. I shouldn't have never been here. But now that I am, there's a stigma behind, I should actually know what to do. Mm-hmm. I should know what's expected of me. And so therefore there's feelings of, of shame, of guilt, of embarrassment. And I think at, at a, a lot of the times we, we tend not to reach out for help because there's a, a, our own expectations. I, I believe going, oh, I've been trained in this stuff. Like I've gone through modules of how many times have coaches sat us down and we'll t- you know, been, the well-being officers talked us and coached us. And, you know, it, it, it almost feels like we should already know what we're doing. But um, the correlation is very strong. Another thing as well that I, I can just think of on the top of my head, like, our players and soldiers are very much in isolation. Like if you get deployed somewhere or, you know, there's an expectation, hey, you're going to have to sacrifice um, your family time to go away to do the job that you love, you know, to protect your country or to play rugby league or footy or whatever professional sport it may be. Yeah. So there's tension there. And often we think, oh, no, rugby players are are this and that. It's a privileged life. But they don't know. You actually have to move away from your family sometimes, you know. It could be... you're going on a tour, uh, you could be on a state of origin series or whatever, maybe just your normal regular season in and out. And yeah. so those things of isolation, I think COVID has taught us anything. Like it's not good to be isolated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, not agreed. good to be alone, any human being. Yeah. And so I think we have to constantly remind ourselves is that, hey, we're, we're dealing with humans here. We're not dealing with just a soldier. Before they were a soldier, they were a person, mm. you know. Before they were a rugby player, or we, or we, you know, put them on a pedestal, they were an actual human being, a person. That's someone's dad, brother, uncle, aunt, like whatever it may be. And so, I think it's so important to remember the humanistic side of people, because we can often like lose track of like, well, soldier, you're so hardcore, you know. There's there's often an external front, and oh, footy player, mate, have the best life ever. But deep down inside, at the end of the day, I mate, that we all bleed the same. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you know what I mean. It's yeah. uh, super important. Yeah, it's so good. And you touched about being away from home, whether it's on tour or in in origin. But um, yeah, you probably know that better than anyone, and you're probably dealing with it more than anyone with your team, the Warriors. 
Uh, I think it yeah. is, is this the third year in a row they're on the road. Um, how yeah. how does that have to play a toll on them? You know, obviously, it doesn't matter how comfortable the NRL, they do a great job of making them comfortable in terms of their facilities and, and their, their hotels, whatever. But just that feeling of being home, or what, like, you know, sleeping in your own bed and being around your parents and, and that kind of comfort that you have as an athlete, how do they go being away from that? Yeah, are they, are they to, away? To be, are they away the whole season? Yeah, the Warriors. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. They're based in yeah, they're based here in Brisbane. So obviously, obviously uh, for those who don't know, they were based in Central Coast when COVID first broke out, and and everyone's like, good on the Warriors. They've made a sacrifice, but then obviously New South Wales COVID thing happened, and everyone had to move up to the Gold Coast, and they were severe, like full on hotel restrictions, and then being told, hey. We, we may not be able to go back home, but we do have a permanent base, which is Redcliffe, which is north of Brizzy. Right. And so although that may sound nice and people are like, oh, that's kind of nice. They're in a permanent you know, location. But if you know anything about the different um, locations and um, of, of Brisbane, Redcliffe weather base, it's not like anywhere near the communities that they come from. You know, yeah, it's a yeah. very Australian. It's, it's almost like a retirement sort of area. It's a really nice area, too. So when you take people away from what their comfort zone is or their support structures, man, that's really tough. Like some players who are fortunate, able to, you know, be, they're able to bring their families. Of some of, I think, may maybe some have bought houses or, or at least have got their family in and they're living in a house. Whereas you get the other uh, players who are more so the younger ones who are living in a house with other players. So and and they're young. So we often think, oh, they're professional athletes, but Mate, some of these guys are only 18, 19, you know, 20 years old who have never lived away from home. Yeah. But now they've been told, yeah. we, you may not go home. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, it's a crazy thought, but um, it's, it's a real challenge, to be honest. And I don't think what the, the, the worries are the only one that are experiencing this. I, of course, that it's the most team that people are like, okay, they're really, really away from home. Um, but I think you take anyone away from their supportive structure yeah, it, that would do a lot of damage to their internal, like their psyche, their social behavior, and even their physiological state as well. Because mm. knowing that, that I, how do I perform? My, you know, my, my dad or my mom or my community are not here. And the thing I love about the Warriors is that from afar, like, you know, from afar, I've always loved the team because it's, it, it is a really community-orientated um, uh, club. So everything's about whānau, it's about aina, it's about community. You, know, you do stuff with the community. But now that they're in another community, they don't feel like, I feel like they don't personally belong in that community, even though they don't feel that like that that's not the actual thought. But it's like, I'm away. I don't really have any connection to this community. That's so, it's so crazy when you think about the fact that the amount of time they're spending you know, outside their home city where they live, where their home is. What is the structure there like at the moment, though? Are they, are they with family? Are they in houses? Are they in a hotel? Yeah. What, so, what's the situation so, like? Yeah, so some players have got houses and, and some players, um, uh, and, and yeah, uh, 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 are um, living together as well, like more so the senior players, the top 30, but then there's the actual, we call them the warrior houses, where there's, there's a few houses there. We've got some of the staff there as well. And I think that's another thing to point out, eh, Timmy? It's like we often think about the players, but yeah. actually the staff have sacrificed years oh, from 100%, their own family. Yeah. And so just recently, I think the back end of last year, I think two of the staff who hadn't been home for two years and they got kids, like they got, you know, teenager kids. So they missed out two years of a teenage kid's life. Wow. Yeah. That's huge yeah. in terms of, hey, but so 
they they were able to go back and I think at some point they will return back but yeah to to, to have those um, things in place where you can go how do we support each other and support our families and yeah that's an interesting point though because you talk about staff and you're right I've actually had, taken a moment to think about it but players and let's let's be honest there's there are there are players that aren't getting great money there are, there are some on minimum wage which still I guess in the real yep. world is, is fair fair income but the majority of the players are on a comfortable, comfortable wage. They're making good money. If you're getting paid three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, making the sacrifice to move to another country, you can kind of justify and say, "This is what I'm doing. What I love. Um, I'm getting yep. paid good for this. I've got a small window to make my money in my career. I need to do this." But then you talk about yep. staff, and mate, there'll be staff that are on, you know, much less than players. And and, and you're right. Most of the time, the staff are the ones that have the kids back at home, and they're sacrificing yep. a lot more than the players who. You know, just a, a single twenty-two-year-old on four hundred thousand dollars compared to a staff with three kids on eighty thousand dollars is a huge difference. So, I can really understand yeah. the, the the mental stress that they'd be going through and the emotional stress that they'd experience while being away from home, and that just makes yeah. your role so much more important. Um, what is the plan for the Warriors moving forward? Have they got a window to, when they find out if they're going to go back or not? Yeah, I think they did have, have some games planned, and I think it was it, it was on the NRL. Um, uh, published uh, calendar to go back home, I think mid-year when Origin is on. Um, and so I think they're still hoping and fingers crossed that they can get there because it's their, it's their return back home. And with that stint in Origin, obviously they've scheduled games over there so teams from here can go over during that time. And yeah, nice. So I think, that, yeah, so what Origin takes over about a month or, or two, you know, in terms of weeks and whatnot. But um, hoping they're still hoping that they can get there. And so... With all the borders opening now, it you know, fingers crossed it stays open. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just saw the news now where I think we're opening opening to uh, international travel again, February 21, yep. I think that is, guys. So Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's exclusive with yeah. the news channel. <laughs> 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 We've got many hats. heard on, on, on the team. Oh, <laughs> correct. Yeah, I just spoke to ScoMo before I got in the air and away we go. <laughs> now, we got um, our... our Exclusive, we're talking about exclusive, our exclusive part of the show. Yeah. It's our 60 second yep. blitz with blitz. Yes. All the best. Good luck. Yes. Now, listen, um, Ray, okay. I'm going to just hit you with 60 seconds of like rapid yep. fire questions. You've got to answer just what first comes comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. Comes to mind. All, all right. right all right. Um, now, you get on a plane with a couple mates um, or a loved one. You can choose to go anywhere. Where are you going? Uh, going back to Samoa. Samoa, okay. Um, yeah, I, I haven't taken my, my, my wife or my kids there. Okay. Um, but I, I want to go take them back to where my parents grew up, where, where you know, my origins are. And, and, yeah, I just know that they'll absolutely love it. There's sunshine, there's beautiful beaches, waterfalls, and, and the people, man. So good. Okay, favorite movie? Coach Carter. Oof. Oh, actually, oh, what's the other one? Um, what's the one of Denzel? I should know it. I should know the football coach. Uh, remember the coach Titans? Bruce. Oh, yeah. I remember the Titans. Oh, what a movie. Left side, strong side. No, no, no. Remember the Titans? Yeah. Goodbye. Okay, mate. Favorite favorite food? Talk to us. Uh, my favorite food would, would definitely be my, my dad's cooking. So he, he, he's Samoan, obviously. Okay. And yeah. so he's just a great, great cook. So anything that he cooks, like traditional dishes, are um, my absolute go-to. Yeah. Do, do some ones, I know, I know my Tongan brothers uh, enjoy a bit of yep. horse. Do, do some ones eat that as yep. well? 
No, not really. We're more so of the beef, you know, okay. chicken kind, just fish kind. Just so. your standard, your standard <laughs> poultry. Is um, is like, it. is it a hungy? Is it? Am I right in saying that? Oh, so for so the, the hungies are for the Maori culture. Ah, oh, sorry, so I the took a stab. Why they, they dig it in the ground, yeah. but for Samoans, uh, it's called a umu, so we cook it above the ground. Okay, so, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with the umu. Yeah, I prefer above the ground. <laughs> you know what? They're both I prefer good. most They're things good. above the ground. They're both, they're both great. Yeah. Yeah. I just prefer food. How about that? We got <laughs> Penny Terrapo, an old teammate of mine, Tongan background, but. He used to do okay, the, the yeah. pig on the spit. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that was good. Oh. Falling off the bone. Oh. Well, uh, two, okay, you go to the movies. You can pick two options for treats. What are you picking? Movies. Again, movies. Oh, like a, a genre? Or no, no, no. Uh, what, what movies? Well, oh, Sorry, what treats would you get? Yeah, you, you can know, pick two treats. Popcorn, the candy bar. Berry floss, oh, chocolate. Oh, treats, treats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going with... Um, uh, what do you call it? It's like the jelly tip ice cream. Like it's chocolate coated, but there's jelly. It's, 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 oh, and, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't. About. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't. But I don't like it's it. It's like jelly tip. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about. That's interesting. That's, so I jelly... always wondered who are the people that like that, and now I finally <laughs> met them. <laughs> no, no. So right, jelly, right, jelly tip ice cream. Is that what, is that yeah. what we're saying here? Okay. No, never heard of it. Yeah, Can I yeah. check it out? Well, that's one. And then obviously just standard popcorn. Yeah. And, yeah. Can you? Yeah, okay. Can you dip the jelly tip <laughs> ice cream in the popcorn? Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can. Because once you eat or sort of like melt off or eat away the chocolate covered stuff, and then the jelly becomes your little sticking thing. Yes. Because we're. A, in. There you go. Yeah, we're a big fan of that well, on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. it's, it's happened before to me. I, it was my, my popcorn, someone else's ice cream. It's a long story. I was. Yeah. That's pretty disgusting, but <laughs> um, speaking of disgusting, what's the worst date you've ever been on? The worst date I've ever been on. Oh, I wouldn't know necessarily say the worst, but the most memorable one. Here we go. Oh. I went to take I, I went to take my wife out on a date. Yep. Looked at my bank account. We both went. Oh, we only have thirty cents. <laughs> oh, Zero. we went to Macca's. Yeah. We went to Macca's, we pulled up, we got a 30 cent cone, we just li- and we went inside. That's the thing. We didn't even go through drive through. We went inside. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, we got the good. ice cream and we were just like, so how are you going? Yeah. <laughs> and that was that. And we talked for hours just over a 30 cent Are they, are they, are they still 30 cents? I'm really feeling they've ripped us off now. They've jumped up. Yeah. They're going. Oh, they've jumped up. Yeah. Heaps. When I say ripped us off, I mean we're paying for Good Valley McDonald's, great uh, sponsor of the station. Yeah. Yeah. But just, I, I, I am a big fan of this officer, mate. I, um, I've smashed, oh. a, I've smashed a few in my time. You might not believe it, judging on Bob on body, but mm. I've had a few sauces. <laughs> He's chiseled. I'm looking at him. He's chiseled. Uh, it's mel- it's, mel- it's melted muscle. It's melted muscle. Now, um, <laughs> now, listen. Are, are you a would, are you a watch guy, a shirt guy, a clothes guy, a shoes guy, a car guy? What's what's your thing? I am a clothes guy. Okay. Now, do um, I, 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 lo- I like to, here's my thing. I love to window shop. Like people think that I go shopping or I just like to look at clothes and go, oh yeah, that'll be good. But then at the end of like, say two hours of just window shopping, I'll probably just buy one thing okay. and that's it. But then I'll, I, because I've thought about it for too long, I would wear that one thing till it's got holes in it. <laughs> so I've got shirts yeah, I wear for like, Three years, my wife's like, surely you can go buy a new shirt. Like, I just love it. Yeah, if it works. Like, no one knows me. I'm not famous. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you enjoy the hunt. You enjoy the oh, process. I definitely do. I yeah. love I love the old bargain, especially yeah, especially when you find like five dollar t shirts. Like yeah. winner. 
Yeah. You, know, you know my wife of us her doing at the moment? She what? puts a lot of things in her basket on the online shopping, yeah. right? but she doesn't buy it. Oh. Yeah. So like, I'll open my laptop. A few baskets. And I'm like, what's this? And she goes, That's oh, what I do. She, yeah, she just fills it up just in case, like, just in case. I don't know That's what. That's what I do. Magically, they end up, but maybe the, the shop might say, you know what? You put it in your basket. You can get it now. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. You can, yeah, you can have it for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you yeah, go. There you go. You've done this three or four times, and they're like, oh, poor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she just needs this loving. We'll give it to her for free. Oh, I'm awesome. exactly the same. Oh. The amount of abandoned carts I have on on, on my uh, computer, I'm just like, <laughs> must be nice. Must be nice having oh. lots of clothes. Well, man, Ray Ray, you survived your, your 60 second blitz with Blitz. Thank you. You've yes. also survived you, your episode of the Spirit of Sport. Come Mate, on. it's so good to hear you speak. You're actually so refreshing the way you talk about um, the chaplaincy world and obviously your understanding of it and your experience with military and, and now making a move to the Warriors. It's such an um, exciting jump for you. So I'm really excited to see how you go with the Warriors. Um, I honestly think they're in for a good season. I'm a big fan of Nathan Brown as well. Um, I can't yep. wait to see them play. I can't wait to actually get to meet you face-to-face at some stage during the season. Yeah. It'd be great to get to meet you, man. God bless and just keep going forward this year, mate. We're looking forward to seeing you kick some goals. Yeah, thank you, boys, and appreciate the time and effort for today. Have a, have a, have a, have a great one. Cheers, Cheers. There he is, Ray Mawanga. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.